All right, we're in the beginning of this uh, series called The Story, and it's really God's story. And the Story Bible, if you've got one, great. If not, grab one today. Grab one today. Uh, it is a continuous story of, of God and his people. It, it's, uh, it just flows so smoothly. They've taken out all the chapter numbers and verse numbers. and uh, it, It's the NIV uh, text. Uh, it's in chronological order. It's so easy to read. As, uh, somebody this week, a member of our church, uh, loved it so much, she said, I'm done. Well, you're done. What? I read the whole thing. What? She's like, I couldn't put it down. It was just so easy to read. It's so good. It is. It's an amazing, amazing story. Uh, God is, uh, his hand is just crafted <laughs> throughout time, throughout history. So jump in and check it out. We're still, like I said, at the, towards the beginning, so we haven't missed anything. Catch up super quick. Uh, we're kind of in the, in your, like your Bible at home, the book of Genesis, all right, the first book in the Bible. And Genesis is really, uh, you know, it's 50 chapters, but really almost the entire thing is about one family. It's just one single family. Uh, it's Abraham, who was the, the patriarch, the, the man that God chose, though he was far from perfect. Actually, he was very flawed human, and that his flaws really adversely affected his family, and then he passed those flaws down to his son, Isaac. Isaac was a very flawed man. It affected his family, and he passed it down to his son, Jacob. And Jacob was a very flawed man. It affected his family, and he, guess what? He passed it down. He had 12, 12 sons. And we're talking about one of the youngest sons today. It's Joseph. So in chapter 3, in the story, uh, is the story, this amazing, amazing life of Joseph. Uh, just pick that up and read this, this part of the story because it is just incredible. And in the other, you know, the big Bible, it's uh, Genesis chapter 37 to 50. So it's like, 14 chapters, like a big chunk here just about Joseph because it is really remarkable. You look at the subheading here about Joseph. It says, from slave to deputy pharaoh. Joseph started as a slave in Egypt and through God, and this was a roller coaster too, and up and down, and up and down again, and through God's grace and his, his power, uh, Joseph was elevated to be the second in command of the Egyptian dynasty, like the biggest, most powerful in the world of the day. Just amazing, amazing story. But it started off uh, a little rough. Now you gotta think about uh, this family. So there's 12 brothers with four different moms. So I know some of you are looking about a month from now, you're looking at the calendar dreading uh, maybe a Thanksgiving meal with certain family members, right, in the drama. Okay, imagine a family with 12 boys and four different moms. Can you imagine? Drama, right? And what looked, you know, from the outside, like it's this perfect family. I mean, Jacob, he's this wealthy, he's powerful, he's got, God's blessed him, and he's got this promise he's going to be a great nation. It's all these children and flocks and herds and land. But on the inside, just like all of us, they're flawed, and they got drama in their family. So that's, we get a little sneak peek of that today. And it starts off <coughs> in uh, Genesis 37, where we see that Israel, and this is Jacob, this is the dad, his name's Israel. 
That's where we get the name Israel, uh, nation of Israel. So uh, the dad, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had borne him in old age. So he made this ornate robe for him. That's the, that's the infamous right, coat of many colors, the technicolor dream coat, if you will, right? Uh, and so Jacob, dad, he, 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 has, he shows favoritism towards one of his sons, but then he amplifies it with these gifts. Now, I only have two children in, in my house, but I can tell you right now uh, how it would go down. Like if I gave one child an iPhone 14 Pro Deluxe Max Mega, right? And I gave the other kid uh, two tin cans and a string to, you know? No, no, that would not go down well. So his brothers are <coughs> jealous to start with. But then Joseph actually doesn't help anything. Uh, you know, what we read here in the Old Testament, we read uh, about the dreams that Joseph had. They were prophetic dreams that actually came true. You know, when Joseph became deputy Pharaoh and his family came to, to in, during the famine to get food, they did bow down to him. It was a true dream. But he's out there just blurting it out, this little bratty little brother. And it's like, dude, stop making it worse for yourself, right? But he couldn't help himself. So you got that, you got the jealousy, you got the little bratty brother. And then so here it is, we're at the point where uh, his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, and they hated him for it. They hated him so much, they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. Have you ever hated anybody that much? You just didn't even want to see them. You couldn't stand to be around them. You couldn't muster one kind word. Well, they are completely engulfed in this hatred for little brother Joseph. And now, dad is going to irritate this, these brothers even more. So his dad, well, so his brothers have gone to graze the father's flock near Shechem in Israel. That's dad. Went to Joseph and he said, hey, you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Oh, very well, he replied. And so Jacob said to Joseph, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. He's asking Joseph to go and spy on his brothers. Uh, he's asking Joseph to be a tattletale. We love tattletales, don't we? Aren't tattletales wonderful? Because we love when people point out our flaws and faults, right? And when they broadcast them to everybody else, how they, how bad we messed up or a mistake we made or something we did wrong. And that, no, no, nobody likes a tattletale. Uh, as a matter of fact, started, maybe you've heard this, you do you, you do you. In other words, leave me alone, right? I'll take care of me, you do you. Don't worry about me, you do you. No, nobody likes a tattletale. As a matter of fact, being a tattletale actually undermines the way that Jesus has asked us to live. Do you remember in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, 
Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Uh, in other words, <clears throat> you take care of your own faults and your own flaws first before you start helping people by pointing out the, their faults and their flaws. Now, here's the reality. If I, if I were to work on all of my faults and flaws before I started addressing yours, you would be safe for a very long time, right? A long, long time. And that's the point Jesus is making. You do you. <laughs> you take care of your own faults. And you worry about you. Jesus does not call us to be little judges of everybody else. He certainly doesn't call us to be little tattletales uh, pointing out everybody else's little flaws. Well, in this uh, drama-filled family, it's starting to escalate here even more. So Joseph goes off. He goes off to uh, find his brothers watching the herds. And uh, verse 18, but they saw him in the distance. Now, it's not written in the scripture, but I'm pretty sure Joseph must have been wearing his multicolored coat, right? From miles away, they were like, you see that? Hey, nobody's got a coat like that. Oh, I know somebody's got a coat like that. That's Joseph, that little, uh. And what do they do? They see him before he gets there. They start plotting. They plot to kill him. Come, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Okay, this has now reached a boiling point. And this is a good lesson for all of us. We live in a society, we live amongst a, a, a group of people who are seemingly always at this boiling point. And there's something we can learn about this, is that when we harbor hurt feelings, it turns into hatred. Got that? The hurt that we harbor turns to hatred. These 11 brothers, they were hurt. They were jealous. Their father favored him. He's a little brat. He's a tattletale, always pointing out our faults and flaws. And it was boiling over into a rage. Does it sound like the world we live in today? I think it is. But that's not what we're called to do. It's not how we are to react to being hurt or jealous or even having uh, someone else see our faults and our flaws. So um, one of the brothers has this bout of compassion, right, right in the midst of of all of this, this hate and rage. And it's actually the oldest brother. He's son number one. It's Reuben. Reuben heard it, and he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here, sure. Uh, but don't lay a hand on him. And actually, Reuben said this so he could rescue him and take him back to his father. His goal was to, 
not only save his life, but to come back later and pull him out of the well and bring him back home safe and sound to dad. Now, turns out he was too late. Uh, the other brothers had, had sold him into slavery and he was on his way to Egypt, but um, that was his plan. He, he, tried to, he tried to react to that and save his little brother. And so this uh, hatred, this, uh, this rage that is, it seems so normal or, or so acceptable in our world today, it just goes so opposite against the way that, that Jesus asks us to live and, and to be humble and just to be accepting and, 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 and to just go beyond even what Reuben did. Reuben had compassion, uh, but we're called to be people of love. You know, Jesus said, a new commandment that I give to you. So in other words, and he was talking to Jewish audience, right? They knew the Ten Commandments like the back of their hand. Hey, Ten Commandments, maybe that's just too many uh, to try to remember and to keep up with. I'll tell you what, I'll sum them all up in one. Can you just remember this one commandment? Because if you can remember this one commandment, all the others will just fall into place. It'll It'll work out great. But the new commandment is that you love, you love one another as I, Jesus, have loved you. And then you ask, how did Jesus love me? Well, he died on the cross in my place. He took every punishment that I deserve, both temporal and eternal, Death and eternal separation from God, he suffered in my place so I would never have to taste that kind of death and that kind of condemnation. That is completely selfless. Yeah, I mean, he could have come down and he didn't have any specks or planks or faults or flaws anywhere in his eye. He could have looked at all of us, failures, miserable people, and said, you're not worth it. But he took care of us, right? He loved. That's the definition of love. So I want to talk about being people of love today. Real quick, uh, what does that look like? What does love do? I mean, we can talk about love, mushy feelings or romantic love and, you know, uh, just feel good. No, love is an action verb. Love is is an action word. It's It's a life that we live. The first thing I want you to see is that love advocates. What does that mean? It means that love speaks up for people who don't have a voice. This is what Reuben did, the oldest brother. He saw that his little brother was in danger. The other brothers were coming, uh, you know, plotting a murder and a cover-up. And he advocated for the victim. He said, hey, let's not kill him. <laughs> he is our brother after all. Right? Now, if anybody had a gripe, a, a reason to, to be mad at Joseph, number 11 son, is Reuben, the number one son, right? He had every reason uh, to want to get revenge or put him in his place, get retribution, but he's the one that advocates for him. And this is what um, uh, James says about this. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does 
nothing about their physical needs. What good is that? Love is an action word. It's a verb that we, we live out as people of love. We try to help where we can. Love advocates. Love also shows mercy. Shows mercy. And mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. Now, little Joseph, he deserved some kind of retribution. Not death, uh, okay, but if any of you have brothers, and I know Pastor Jeremy can back me up on this too, right? If any of you have brothers, brothers have a way of kind of keeping each other in check, okay? Uh, and uh, in that situation, 10 older brothers, I mean, Joseph deserved uh, at least a noogie or something, right? They, be, you know, lock him in his locker for, you know, 10 minutes or something. He deserves something, not death, but he deserves some kind of, but Reuben doesn't give him what he deserves, right? He, he not only wants to save his life, he wants to restore and bring him back to his, his father. And that's what we've received because while Joseph didn't deserve death, you and I actually do. Uh, the wages of sin is what? It's death. What we deserve for our misdeeds, even mistakes, if we're honest, but certainly all the willful things that we've done to hurt other people, God's children, to hurt God's creation, uh, his, his wonderful works that he's made, we deserve death and more, an eternal separation from God. But he doesn't give us what we deserve. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's why we talk about being connecting people to Jesus. We're all about connecting people to Jesus because he is the only hope that anybody has. He's the only hope that this world has. Connecting people to Jesus. So, so powerful. When you experience that mercy in your own life, when you recognize, when you truly come to grips with what you really deserve, not what your friends tell you, the world, the, the, the certainly advertisers tell you that you deserve, no. When you realize what you actually deserve and then appreciate that Jesus took all of that punishment and, and, and death for you and you don't ever have to experience that, you just get eternity in heaven, wow. If every Christian got that, every morning your feet would hit the floor and you'd say, praise God, <laughs> it is a new day. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. So love, it advocates, it shows mercy, and it acts. What are we talking about? It's an action word. It's something that we put into practice. Now, Reuben tried uh, to save his little brother. And he did save his life, okay, but he was still sold into slavery, worked as a slave, worked his way up, went into prison years and years in an Egyptian prison. God, through other people, 
rescued him again. Joseph lifted him up and through Joseph rescued an entire nation. Well, two, Egypt and Israel uh, through the famine, providing food for them. So here's the best part. We act, we try, right? We advocate, we show mercy, we do the best that we can, but here's the best news. Even if we can't bring it home, (laughs) even if we don't see uh, the the conclusion that we want to see, we serve a God who is always at work behind the scenes too. He's working through other people, just like in Joseph's life. Reuben did as much as he could for as long as he could, and then God carried him on the rest of his life and and did rescue him uh, from the pit. So because of that, we not only can have love for people, we can have hope. We can have hope that our God is still always at work in the world. Uh, Paul talks about this. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? It deserves death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through, there he is again, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You and I have been rescued from the pit. We have been saved. And this is the, the, the watershed moment in our life. This is the, the landmark that, that just identifies who we are as people. We are children of God. And he has called us to live as people of love. And we show that love by sharing our voice uh, not putting our hand, head in the sand or ignoring issues or controversies or injustices or dangers, but we speak up and we act. And we know that God is acting through us and many other people uh, to accomplish his will. So I'll close. I want you to read with me this uh, psalm, Psalm 103. This little summation of uh, what we talked about today. Maybe file this away this week and uh, pull it back out. But uh, Psalm 103, verses 2 to 4. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the great love that sent your Son into this world to bear our sins, to be our Savior. We pray your Holy Spirit at work in each and of each and one of us and in our in our congregation. Continue to stir our hearts in love toward each other, in love toward our neighbor, in love toward the lost, the hurting, in love even toward those who irritate us and make us angry. <laughs> Help us to show mercy and to extend that olive branch and to share the good news that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray and we ask your blessings on our week. Amen.